0: Welcome to Optional Opinion, I'm your host ADV, thank you guys for tuning in, have a great episode for you, as it is the season finale of Optional Opinion, probably like season 4 or season 5, let's just say, <laughs> I probably have to go through, uh, really don't know which season it is, oh, I'm a bad host, I apologize, but hopefully everybody, he's been having a great week, having a great weekend, um, enjoying all the gaming stuff that has came out, it's been kind of ridiculous um and uh i do apologize everybody for uh not putting out more content and episodes i've been getting ready for uh the video video games and also podcasting on some other shows and things of that nature um but you know, I, I'm i a busy person when it comes to podcasting and media and gaming. Um, But, you know, as always, definitely Optional Opinion is my baby. Um, And I'm going to be doing a new season uh, coming real soon. Got a very special guest for the first episode, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear that discussion. And, of course, I'll still be bringing more topics. I am going to be recording more often, um, so I can get out every episode. We get an episode out every week uh, with just me by myself or with a special guest. You know, the typical way. Um, I've just been very busy, so I do apologize to everybody, everybody uh, for kind of not putting out content uh, daily like I should. But I am back. I'm here with the season finale, and I got a great topic uh, that... It's Probably going to surprise a lot of people, uh, of course, if you're reading the title. Uh, yes, I will be reflecting on the PlayStation 2. Um, uh, Sony recently just passed actually a hundred million PS4 console, so uh, that, congratulations to Sony, that's a big, uh, that's a big win for them. That's very historic in a sense that they were able to do that, and I really, really am happy that that happened too. But, Uh, Before they even got to kind of that, uh, even that amount, you know, one of their earliest consoles, uh, the PlayStation 2, hit that before. Um, And, you know, it still ranks as one of the highest selling consoles of all time. Um, PlayStation 2 released in 2000, and the PS2 Slim released in 2004. Um, The PlayStation 2 had a run from 2000 to 2013. Um, The console had 159 million estimated systems sold. Uh, it also came with a DVD player, uh, did online for games like Final Fantasy XI. And there are some launch games that I will go over. Um, but in total, the PS4, I mean, not PS4, the PS2 had 3,800 games. That's kind of combined with games that came in uh, America and uh, Japan in uh, Europe. Like, there are some games that got launched that just never came to us so um it, it is kind of interesting to see that when you have all of that connected and everything uh to see how that happens um so uh on october 26 2000 uh those these were the titles that were had made into store shelves for the playstation 2 uh, armor core 2 uh Dead or Alive 2, Hardcore, Dynasty Warriors 2, ESPN International Track and Field, ESPN X Games Snowboarding, Eternal Ring, Evergrace, FantaVision, Gun Griffin Blaze, Kesson, Meta NFL 2001, Midnight Club, MotoGP, NHL 2001, Orphan, Cube Ball Billiards Master, Ready to Rumble Boxing Round 2, Ridge Racer 5, Silent Scope, Smuggler's Run, SXX, Street Fighter X3, Summoner, Swing Away, Take Attack Tournament, Time Splitters, Unreal Tournament, Wild Wild Racing, and X Squad. So uh those were the games that came out. They had a really good selection. Um but I think one of the big things that actually sold the PS4 on a, whole, a lot of people and I think a lot of people can agree was the fact that it came with the DVD player. And during that time like DVDs were rolling out and stuff. Uh and so you kind of had, you know, two different medias combined together to you know that was working so if you wanted to game uh you had you had that uh, ability to game and then uh if you wanted to watch a movie uh you know you didn't have to spend too much money because you had a dvd player all you had to do was literally pop in use the controller or buy the uh playstation 2 remote um uh, if you wanted to and uh, watch the movie on there. Uh, It did have settings to, and a password if you wanted to do that uh, and everything to make sure that if people are going to use your DVD player, they knew the password. Or you could just leave it open and pop a CD in, uh, DVD in, and uh, watch the movie. Uh, You still was able to play music CDs and everything, but you kind of weren't, and I don't think they still did do this. Um, you weren't able to play the music off um the uh the DVD um of the game like you was able to do on uh, PlayStation One. So um later on you did were you were able to play PlayStation One games on PS2. On the uh, original and on the Slim. so they did have that functionality. Um, that was kind of kind of the backwards compatibility on that. Um, around that time, Xbox One was coming out. Uh, not Xbox One, the original Xbox was coming out, and GameCube came out also, uh, or a little bit later. Um, now, the thing about with the uh, GameCube was that. Uh, in Japan, Panasonic was able to have one, and there's a gaming history episode on that on YouTube that I do recommend you guys uh, go and check out, because it kind of talks about how um, that it came out. It was a little expensive, but I don't how it failed, um, a lot of people here in America really wanted to play it, um, but we just didn't. They Nintendo just didn't see fit that they would do it and Panasonic also made the decision on just not to bring it over here. So we just got the original GameCube in different colors and but the- you know, GameCube is going to be a system that I can't really wait to have a big discussion about. That's going to be really good. Um, You know, going to do a console dis- discussion on GameCube because th- that one, I think it hits a lot of people. It was kind of like the modern Super Nintendo in a sense. It didn't get the love and appreciation that it should have got, but people who did on the GameCube and, or play guests on the GameCube Really want to see those games uh, re-release on the uh, Switch Online. Or in some way, just come back to Switch. Whether it be digital digital or physical. So, you know, uh, that is something that I hope to really... have that discussion i can't wait to really have that big one so when i come back everybody we're going to be talking about some of the influential games that came on the playstation 2 kind of what helped make the system uh what it is and what people think about that system every time you just mentioned that name and we will talk about that when i come back So, some of these influential influential games. So, we have probably one of the biggest games, not of all time, but one of the biggest games on the system that a lot of people, you know, you can't deny anytime you hear PlayStation that this title is, I mean, this game is one of the biggest ones. And, of course, that's Grand Theft Auto 3. And uh, Grand Theft Auto 1 and 2 was, like, kind of a top-down free-roaming arcade-style game. Um, uh, But when Grand Theft Auto 3 came out, um, that's how the term of uh, open-world game, um, sandbox, or if you want to look at it that way, um, term started using in that genre. Now, we did have... uh, Uh, Ocarina of Time, which did kind of, in my opinion, did it first in a sense uh, because of the 3D uh, environment but it didn't have the consequences and uh, level layout and design that Grand Theft Auto 3 did. kind of provided um and i could uh, say that i did play this game but not on playstation 2 i owned it on pc as many times i talked about uh i played and beat the game there um uh, the developers were at that time dma design uh, rockstar games um and uh this is kind of where um dan hooser and his crew uh came about with this game and so um uh you know it received critical acclaim um it sold over 14.5 million copies um since 2001 like uh on PlayStation 2 and you know it continues it used to was continue to sell more but uh apparently there's been more games in the series um that you know has done better like Grand Theft Auto 5 and um Grand Theft Auto 5 online um, this was a game that kind of made people recognize the PlayStation 2 more and picked up and kind of helped make this game be more of um, a mature uh, gaming system for adults and everything, where Nintendo and Microsoft later were doing their own thing with their games. Uh, Grand Theft Auto, because it was a open-world sandbox, this the style of game um created so many other titles that fall upon it and even if you look at to now that genre is still going and it still follows that template that grand theft auto 3 has started so it it really is a story game because it kind of like i said it created that turn and people still enjoy uh that game Now, some more of them, uh, games would be like Devil May Cry, uh, kind of help, uh, kind of help also bring in, uh, Ninja Gaiden, the action style, um, 3D fighter, not, we're not 3D fighter, the action style, um, title, you know, where you do heavy combos, like game, you know, games like Bayonetta or, um things from ninja theory like dmc devil may cry or even heavenly sword where you got all this fast combat where you not only fight on the ground but you fight up in the air and you got to do a lot of, uh, input, buttoning combos, presses, where, you know, you had combos and stuff, and Mortal Kombat, and Street Fighter, and some of, uh, Capcom's other fighting games, but you never had it, where it was a level based game, and you were doing, these kind of things, so, Devil May Cry, kind of brought that out, and it's still, one of, the top, uh, Capcom's well known franchises, um, for it, um, of course, that leads to, God of War, which is, sony's own kind of action style uh game um and i i can't say what i what i did enjoy about uh what i did enjoy about god of war um that it actually took like greek mythology and turned into a story that was like really really creative um this game uh was created by david jaffe um and he kind of left after the first game um action adventure hack and slash is what it's considered as, but, uh, I, I could see that because you don't really have any air attacks that, uh, like Bayonetta or Dante has in the sense, um, for it. Um, now, uh, at the time uh Santa Monica studios developed the game and sony just published it and everything um and it was weird because after he after, after David jaffe left um uh god of War um uh, left Santa Monica to go do his own he was also doing twisted metal stuff um it ended up changing um over to Corey Barlog. And he's been with the series ever since, and that's why we have probably one of the one of the best in the series of the God of War franchise is God of War 4, in a sense. Um, it, it, like it's really really good. I w- I would definitely say that. Um, and Corey Barlog has kind of carried the idea and what the series to be, but then when I feel like when it came to part four or this new reboot or whatever you want to see it as. I, I think he took it to his own and did something completely new. And uh, him and the team did a fantastic job. I still think it's one of PlayStation Four's best games, must own games uh, to have if you own the system or you thinking of getting a PlayStation Four. I think it's it, it, it is one of them. Um, moving on from that, Eco, which is uh Team Ego's first game, um, for it, it was kind of this adventure style game you know you fighting shadows and everything but you know it was kind of one of those B team C team kind of things that you just never think about but you still give them respect and you still kind of love and I've always called Team Eco PlayStation's PlayStation's Nintendo development in a sense like there's something about something about their game that has a Nintendo spirit to it with Their games, um, and Eco was um, Eco was really one of them. Now, the, the box art was kind of bad, but people still, people who did pick it up and it felt kind of niche, really did enjoy Eco, which led into Shadow of the Colossus, which a lot of people thoroughly enjoy. Um, Jack and Daxter is another game, um, uh, from Insomniac One. Um, uh, now, Insomniac, we're doing two kind of platforming games for PlayStation 2, uh, which is uh, Ratchet and Clank, um, but I feel like Jack, Jack and Dexter was better uh, because Ratchet and Clank was as good as it as it is. It's a, a action kind of uh, platformer, three D platformer where you get all of these weird guns and you shoot them and you kind of level it, level them up. So it kind of have those RPG elements where Jack and Dexter kind of felt like, kind of like somewhat Super mario 64 in a sense but it has just it has something about that traditional 3d platforming game and challenges and collect the dots and stuff and i prefer I, I like jack and dexter i mean i i love jack and dexter i prefer that over a ratchet and clank because sometimes the level design and ratchet and clank could get kind of like off and stuff now i will say i didn't really like jack 2 Uh, in a sense but jack and dexter for playstation 2 like the first one i really really love um i 100% of that game and just thought it was just amazing with that of course you have final fantasy 10 um you know everybody's happy playing that game uh they they love the music the fighting, the characters, Lulu is my girl, and Oren is my guy. I, like, I really love those characters. Um, uh, we also had Dragon Quest Eight. Um, you also got SOCOM, uh, U.S. Navy SEALs. Um, and it was a third-person tactical shooter uh, video game. Um, and it came, uh... It came, uh, by Zipper Interactive that you um really don't see anymore because they they only lasted for ten years, 2002 to 2012, um, and later on, SNET Six Games uh, were during that time also picked it up, 2007 to 2010. Um, but you don't get the SoCOM games anymore, which is kind of sad because I really did enjoy the SoCOM games. They were really fun. Um, with it, but you know, it was something that Nintendo to me, personally, Nintendo and Microsoft didn't have, they didn't kind of have a shooter that they could call their own in a sense, and, you know, people still enjoy the so games, and as the systems like PlayStation 3 and PlayStation, PlayStation 3 and PlayStation Portable came out, they were really getting great games and stuff, as a series, but we, like I said, we don't see them. Of course, one of my favorite of all times, of course, is Akami, um, this game came from Clover, uh, with, uh, Hideaki being, like, the team kind of lead over there, and, this one, of course, everybody said is uh it's the Zelda game, Capcom Zelda game. Even though Capcom did make Zelda handheld games, um, it took a different art style that you didn't see at that time, um, being done on games. You if you were really into Japanese culture, you knew about it, but you didn't really uh you kind of just like didn't really pay attention uh to it. And I I gotta just say like it's it's one of my favorites because I, of course I bought it when the game came out like one of my first pre order games and I just stuck with that adventure and just enjoyed everything. It was something about the Hideki Kami, uh, uh, Kamiya. I am sorry, sorry everybody. Um, it's something about that animation and the art style just flow. Uh, with it and it really it really just spoke to me because i'm a person who love, you know japanese culture seeing their art and seeing their media and stuff like that and to like like see this thing in motion that no one else was doing like i was like wow um the the art style is sumi e inspired uh cell shaded visual and it's just still to this very day indefinitely in hd It looks beautiful, and if you guys got an Xbox One, PlayStation 4, Switch, uh, wherever you can get your hands on this game, it is, I feel like, personally, it's still a must-have. Ever since it came on PlayStation 2, any version that came out, I tried to get. Now, I do have it on PlayStation 3, the HD version. I also have it on my Xbox One, and I also have it on my Switch. Um, I don't have it on PlayStation 4 because um, I have it on the other two consoles. But it's still a beautiful game to dive in. Like, Like, I love this game and everything. And even though it... It didn't get the praise that it deserved um a lot of people see it as a critical failure and everything, and this kind of hurt clover um even though we got beautiful jokes uh also from' him. um it's still one of the best games that. You could look at and just be like this game still stands on its own and i kind of wish more developers really took notice of it like people who who hear kami, they're like yes i want this game like there are it brings in still more new people to the series but the playstation 2 version the original one just with that beautiful red box and i run in with amuratsu on the cover like it's still today pose up for me. I still have it and I just love this game. Moving on is on a Uh it was kind of Capcom's uh samurai version of resident evil um kingdom hearts um who knew that square enix and disney would come together to make an rpg like this and it's so big kingdom hearts is still one of the greatest kind of role-playing games for the playstation 2 alongside final fantasy uh 10 and for some people final fantasy 12 um i prefer 12 um over 10 in, in that sense. Um, and also Dragon Quest Eight, you know. Um, but, yeah, Kingdom hearts, like, chest um, from the music, the cutscenes, uh, your favorite Disney worlds, and chest. It was something that you couldn't believe that Square Enix and Disney would team up to do. Um, and uh, we got Utada. You know, people didn't even pay attention to Utada, too. She did the theme music, you know, um, Simple and Clean for... Uh, uh, for the second game, you know, uh, was it say, was the second game? Uh, simple and clean is No, it was the first game. Yeah, simple and clean was the first one. Um, uh, the, the second one had a different one. Uh, that is still uh. Uh, my sanctuary uh that sanctuary like for the second one like how still powerful that one is sorry everybody gotta mixed up uh yes um and like even her new one is like really good like you know utah became a staple like her music not only like represents kid and parts in the sense that but it turned on so many American people who didn't know that she sang English and also is Japanese and have a lot of albums out, have a lot of work that people need to go check out if they haven't, you know. Um, But this is kind of one of, in a sense, this was kind of one of like the Super Mario Brothers things that if you hear it, you know what it is. And if you hear like Simple or Clean or Sanctuary, you automatically think of Kingdom Hearts. And Kingdom Hearts 2. It's just... It's it's that powerful of a game. With that music. Of course, Persona 3 and Persona 3 FES um, kind of brought more people to the Persona slash Shin Megami Tensei series. Um, and kind of found out that Persona is not part of the Shin Megami Tensei series. Um, that stands on its own. But Persona 1 and 2... Um, well, definitely Persona 1 that came out on PlayStation 1 by Atlas. No one really sorry about that no one really paid attention to uh for it but like persona 3 when it literally came out on playstation 2 and then the fes Fest came out and just like gave you kind of a better game a different game that really drew people in so it made it very popular um in it in, in that sense like still to this very day um you know, I want to I, I want a fast remake, or I want a remastering of course i wanted to come switch uh but yeah it was it was uh it's a great game that people got people into the persona thing and a little bit controversy with them the kids shooting their heads with a gun to bring their persona out but that didn't really last long or anything uh of course we got silent hill 2 can't forget that one um this one is by konami uh this one was kind of pretty much like the scariest one out of all of them um, it was uh, received with a critical acclaim uh, within the month of its release in North America Japan and Europe over 1 million copies were sold with the greatest number of sales in North America it is often considered the greatest horror game and among the greatest video games of all time praise for its story use use of metaphors symbolism psychological horror and taboo topics soundtrack atmosphere graphics monster designs and sound design. however it received criticism for its controls despite their improvement over the game's predecessors. Um the game was followed by Silent Hill 3 in 2003. Um and it still hold up as probably one of that um now I didn't really play Silent Hill 2. Catch your breath. Don't gas too much. Uh it's because I played Silent Hill 1 and I did not enjoy Silent Hill 1. Um I didn't I, and it was because of the controllers and Uh, kind of the lack of direction on what to do and where to go. Where I feel like Resident Evil um, gave me better direction and where to go and puzzle fighting and everything. Like, something about Resident Evil felt better and well thought out. And Silent Hill didn't do the same thing. Um, And that's more, like I said, that's more of a me thing, I should say. So, but you know people still hold silent hill 2 up up there um also uh yakuza um which is a kind of a game or uh, yakuza um this one game this is a like a third party not third person well kind of a third person brawler um beat 'em up where you uh visit different parts of a, a city in Japan or a fictional city in japan um and you see different sites and you play games you can eat food you um buy. Uh, go to hosted shows and you know, date and stuff, but you also get into different fights with different gangs and people who are trying to fight you, like drunks and stuff, and uh, you just find a whole different thing and it, it, it's such a great game, I've been with the Yakuza series um, ever since the first one um, the only one that I didn't play was 2 um, due to the fact that I was playing uh, different games and I couldn't find 2 in uh, stores, or anything, uh, but I really do want to play, too, um, I, I ended up buying, definitely, I ended up buying three, I ended up buying, um, sorry about that, everybody, um, I ended up buying three, I ended up buying four, zero, kamami one, and Kawami two, um, Yakuza uh, five, I have, um, only, I do need to buy six, uh, so I could play, but, um, you know, just starting off with the Yakuza series it's such a great series, such a great game. And the first one was like really, really good, um, for it. Um, you yeah, know, kind of critically acclaimed, but it was a really great game. Um, moving on to the last game, Dance Dance Revolution. Of course, um, people still play that game in the arcade. Um, but when it brought us the PlayStation two, it's so very well, people were practicing getting their health, uh, with dancing you know losing a lot of weight and stuff and they were carrying that, that skill over to the arcade so you know it was still one of the biggest things on playstation 2 with it and then of course um the Wii or no the it was a Wii or I think it was the GameCube the GameCube one got a Dance Dance Revolution Mario edition for it but I think it was it was the Wii. Sorry, everybody. Um, Just focusing on PlayStation. Uh, But, yeah, that was kind of some of the influential titles. There's definitely more, but, like, when you hear those names, you definitely think of PlayStation 2. So, when I come back, we're going to talk about some uh, influential multi-platform titles that also came out for GameCube and Xbox. I'll be right back. (laughs) you let's jump into some uh, influential multi-platform games now there's not too many um but like when you think of these games and i kind of did i tried to do some that came to um both xbox and gamecube around the same time not all of them came not all of them did it uh but uh, I, I tried to do my best with it so um the first game I want to do, of course, is for Joe. And uh, the reason why I brought up for Joe is that uh, PlayStation 2 got like a bonus version in a sense because they got Dante in it. So the game exclusively came out for GameCube and then got ported over to uh, PS2. Um, with Dante in it and it's still such a fun game you know using the different powers of slow and speed Um, like you could punch really fast to um, uh, kill enemies a little bit quicker or you know start punching a lot and build a fire or you could uh, do slow motion where you could be able to respond Um, to enemies' attacks, like if they shoot a bullet, you could be able to punch it back and then release it, and it will hit them back. Or, you know, be able to kick um, enemies up in the air and just, like, do multiple combos and stuff like that. It was a really good thing, you know. It was, like, a 2D, cel-shaded, beat-em-up superhero game. But you also kind of just had different things going on. With it, it's still a great game, and a lot of people you can you can kind of see um, the influence from uh uh with the wonderful one hundred and one um, in, in it. Uh, but everybody still loves beautiful Joe. Um, I would love to see it come back. I I love beautiful Joe one and two. Like both of those games are really up there as some really great titles that Capcom kind of allowed Clover to release. Um next game is kill switch um and this one is kind of weird it says kill dot switch but but kill switch was a 3d cover based um neko game um if you think kind of like gears of war in that it, it kind of was this was the first cover based shooting game that i uh that I got in, uh, introduced in play. Um, the weird thing about this, though, is that the controls are really janky in a sense. And um, if you go and look at a playthrough of it, you'll kind of get more of an understanding why, to me personally, it feels like it's the first like over-the-shoulder cover-based game play that then later on you kind of see in Gears of War uh, and other games that took on um, that uh, viewpoint of gaming um killer seven is a port version of um the gamecube one uh this was another exclusive that gamecube had that ended up getting ported to playstation 2 kind of introduced people to suda 51 um different seven personalities and that and you do different actions with those personalities uh max pang um was a game that uh i believe it actually also came to xbox it may not it may not have uh but um it was a game kind of from remedy uh where it end, uh ended up showing the bullet time effect it may have only just been playstation 2 i thought i've seen it for more I thought Xbox got a copy. It it might have been later on or something. But yeah, Max Payne is definitely one of them. Uh ESPN NFL 2K5. Now, the reason why I bring this one up was this is the game that came out for $20 that ended up competing with Madden, and it actually uh sold way more than Madden because it played well, it was only 20 bucks. And uh, this kind of helped create Madden or EA to go full contract in uh, well, and kind of have a monopoly where they will only have the license to do NFL games. I covered this in our earlier episode of Optional Opinion, so you guys can check that out when I talk about some of the sports games. Uh, Prince of Persia, says the sense of time, uh, kind of helped broaden the WeWine effect with it. Um, it was like a third-person... Um, action adventure puzzle game really fun it is a trilogy that you guys can check out um but i remember getting this game on on gamecube but you know the playstation 2 version was like almost the same but i ended up playing this one on gamecube and really, really enjoyed this. Actually, I think when I bought Prince of Persia, I got a free copy of Tom Clancy's Slim Sale uh, on GameCube. Um, Burned Out Takedown, uh, which is Burnout 3, um, kind of, to me, still one of the best Burnout games. It was something about just driving fast and having that arcadey action and knocking cars out. And I played, uh, once again, this game on GameCube. But um, but seeing it on PlayStation 2 was like a really good thing. It was kind of leading the, the advertising like when you see this game, PlayStation 2's version was up front um uh, with it. And like I mentioned, Tom Clancy Splinter Cell, which is a stealth game, a lot of people got into that. It was a it was this own take on the Metal Gear series. I didn't really care for Tom Clancy Splinter Cell. I didn't really like it. I think the controls were kind of weird to play for some sense, and, and I just, I was young, and I didn't get it, and, you know, I kind of just like, oh, okay, it's a fine game, then I went back to Animal Crossing, <laughs> that's kind of me, um, Guitar Hero was a big one, and, uh, Medal of Honor Frontline was kind of a lot of people' introduction to the Medal of Honor series, and, like, great story and gameplay, but the musical soundtrack, for this game is still one of the best Medal of Honor soundtracks I have ever heard. Um to this day. Like pretty much they really got it. Something about that orchestrated music it just like really lasts long for it. So when I come back, we're gonna talk about some of Sony's lesser loves that was kind of a, that was definitely exclusive to PlayStation because they were developed and published by Sony's comp, uh, Sony Sony's developers and uh, published by Sony. And some of them were good and memorable, but some of them just didn't stand well. But they came on PlayStation Two and kind of started their own uh kind of franchises and stuff. So when I come back we will jump into that. Let's get into some of Sony's lesser loves. And these are not, you know, no disrespect to these games or anything, but it, they, some of them still could, were able to continue, but some of other ones just ended up only getting like one game and not, you know, not really continuing their franchise or anything because they didn't sell well, but they were a good try. They were a good tip um, to start off on the PlayStation 2 uh one of the first ones is kill zone um a lot of people feel like this was supposed to be um an arrival to halo and, and stuff and you know it was kind of their take of well it was a mix of it was supposed to be a rival for halo because it was a fresh picture shooter but it was also kind of In a sense, like, inspired from um, the Wolfenstein's, you know, games and kind of their take on, you know, the Nazi movement at that time. Now, Killzone didn't really, you know, really... Like really explode well for them, and even though Killzone on two and on 3, which I think kills on three was a better game, kills on two was fun, but three I think like graphically and shooting wise, and a little bit of the story was better for it um kind of helped guerrilla gangs you know found find a uh, ground and they wasn't a recognized name still yet they were they were still just dealing with a lot of controversy every time they came out, something about them just didn't, like, really gel well uh, with them as a company, and it's kind of sad to see, and it didn't, and I will give it to, give it to Horizon, I I feel like, Horizon Zero Dawn, I feel like that was the forgiveness that people gave Guerrilla games, because now it really showed that Guerrilla games, were you know, as great as they were with the Killzone series, um, Horizon Zero Dawn kind of, like, now, made them a. um, a household name really make them recognize and kind of show that you know it took kill zone you know all the work they did on that game it took all of their experience learning their ups and downs to become who they are now and i think you know i I give it to guerrilla games they are a great developer like i said i enjoy kill zone 2 and 3 i couldn't really get into kill zone 1 i really tried um but like 2 and 3 they refine some things and i thoroughly enjoyed that game um another one is the getaway um this one uh this was one of uh, Sony's kind of attempt at a Grand Theft Auto game, but like it didn't really do well. Um, it was just like, uh, "What is this game trying to be?" And I feel like uh, it, I feel like it was a uh, it was really trying to find its way, but it didn't. Uh, this was developed by SEE London Studios, um, and it was just like, "Wow." This game was released in North America January 19th of 2003 um, as an action-adventure <laughs> and on Wikipedia they quoted a Grand Theft Auto clone. <laughs> uh, in a sense, uh, The Getaway is an action-adventure open-world video game developed by SE London Studios and Team Soho and published by Sony Computer Entertainment for PlayStation 2. The Getaway is inspired by British Gangland Films Get Carter and Snatch. Initially, the release of the game was to coincide with the launch of the PlayStation session 2 in 2000, but was delayed by 27 months due to the difficulty of recreating large areas of London in high resolution. Parts of the getaway feature in various episodes of Graham Duff's idea. The game focuses on two characters, each with their own plot settings. Being an ex-bank robber, Mark Hammond, and a police officer in service with the Flying Squad. Detective Constable Frank Carter with both plots running parallel and intersecting before concluding in the finale of the game. A sequel entitled The Getaway Black Monday was released in 2004. So... And you guys could take a look at it. Um, it. I think it was one of the games that, uh, sorry about that, everybody. Um, I think it was one of the games that the uh, character kind of just sat on the wall to regain himself, and people made fun of that, in a sense. But um, it never got like a part three or anything, and I think it never recovered. I think just a lot of people here just didn't, wasn't really feeling it. Um, also, you have Genji, Donna the Samurai, uh, Frequency, um, Dark Cloud was another one, uh, even though Dark Cloud 2 came out. Now, uh, you also had, which is weird, uh, Jet Li Rise to Honor. Uh, it was a video game released in 2004 for PlayStation 2. The game features the likeness voice acting and moisture capture work of martial arts actor Jet Li. It features martial arts choreography by Corey Yin. Um uh this game as much as uh it's a beat-em-out up 3rd pressing game um what what was odd about this is that you control jet lee with the right uh analog stick i mean left analog stick but you did all his moves with the right analog stick and so instead of um using buttons um for things you had to use just the analog sticks and they it that didn't result well. <laughs> so I mean they only got one game out. It didn't sell well and yeah, we just didn't yeah, th- that game was kind of very weird. Um, uh, we also have another one called Lifeline. Um and uh this one was released uh by S E I and Konami for the Playstation Two. Um so um In Japan, Sony, uh, published it, but in North America, Konami, uh, published it, uh, but this was developed by Sony Computer Entertainment Incorporated, so Sony did do it, but they didn't, uh, publish it, uh, here in America, um, now, uh, it's the it's the funny aspect is that the player controls the game entirely by using a microphone to speak commands to on-screen characters. These commands are interpreted by the game via speech recognition. It is generally regarded by game reviewers as average, although its innovation has caused it to become a cult classic among fans. The game sold well enough to become one of the PS2's the best, with the lower-priced version released on September 25, 2003, in Japan. Both versions in Japan included the option to purchase the USB headset packaged with the game. The North American release did not offer this bundle, um, because you because you had to control the game with a microphone. Um, every time people would give a command, she wouldn't. The main character wouldn't uh react like there was lag or it just didn't you know no one took it um and you know trying to control a whole game with voice recognition uh it, it and a kind of survival horror in the style game didn't result well at all <laughs> like still to this day it's it's kind of regarded as a joke game for many um you also had the marker Cree, uh was another one uh mr mosquito primal um it's kind of one of uh playstation two's action adventure horror video games um and uh it was it it came out from uh s c e studio cambridge uh sony did publish it um they only just had one game um and then it was literally like forgotten like no one uh no one it i think people thought it would be something familiar like it was going to be uh Odd, another odd, old to like to to rock, um, and play that way, and looked like it was gonna be a mix of to rock and uh Tomb Raider, but uh, it it did not fare well at all, and stuff like it came and went like nobody played it, kind of in the sense that I think if a promo did come back, it already has a uh, blueprint of being close to like Horizon Zero Dawn. But you know in that kind of style uh, You also have Rogue Galaxy, Rule of Rose Sing Star and Sly Cooper um, And like Sly Cooper Of course is um, a, a 3D uh, Action game uh, Kind of in the style of, uh Jack and Dexter uh, Developed by Sucker Punch um, it was, And it was a fun Game uh, it, very, it, it was very interesting to play I can say that um, and I did try a lot of those games and was just wondering, I'm like, why is this game as good as, as it is? Why are people not talking about it or like not really giving its props like it should? It, it's, it was, it's very, very weird, but I did like Sly Cooper. Uh, Sing Star was kind of uh, the karaoke game, um, you know, you had different songs and you got to see the videos, but you also sang it to the mic and you matched the notes. Uh, Rule of Rose was like a survival horror game, um, kind of in the rank of Capcom. And Rogue Galaxy, uh, one of a uh, great RPG that I love from PlayStation 2 by Level 5. Um, it, they re released it on PlayStation 4 for a download. Um, it's just a beautiful and just a great game. Now, uh, we're going to get into the last portion of the show after this break. And we're going to be talking about some exclusive, enticing entries. Like, games that came that kind of people didn't notice. But, like, if you go back and look, they are still big in a way. Um, And still historic. That many people might not be like, that is? You'll be like, yep, it is. So, when I come back, we'll talk about these five games. Thank you. So, let's get into some of these games. That's kind of enticing. Um, They were, when I say exclusive, they were really just on PlayStation 2. They didn't come to no other system when they came out. But, you know, they, later on, one of the games did come to another system. I will say that. But, it is kind of interesting to see that when they came out, like some did good some didn't do well and some really became niche in a sense um so starting with the first one is final fantasy 12. um this was this game ended up getting delayed many a times it had some kind of development problems but they end up changing the game to play more like an mmo um now that you guys can play it on playstation 4 Uh, with the zodiac age uh, which is the international version of it you also go play it on xbox one and uh and switch um this game at the time when it originally came out uh it was only on playstation 2 i poured in so many hours into this game that i enjoyed it like it's a grind fest but because it's an mmo it's supposed to be a grind fest you kind of got to learn um you gotta kinda learn some of the ropes and systems that is placed into it. Um, I can say that when I brought this game, I ended up getting uh actually no, it was I think it was the other way around. Uh, when I brought Dragon Quest eight, I got a demo of Final Fantasy twelve. Um, it wasn't that when I bought Final Fantasy XII, I got a demo of Dragon Quest VIII. No, it was the other way around. Um, that's the way that I ended up playing Final Fantasy XII, uh, for a little bit before I ended up buying the game. And, and of course, Dragon Quest VIII is a great game. Um, you know, I think that's the one that got a lot of people into the Dragon Quest series over the past games, and definitely when they went to Nintendo DS and 3DS, um, people really was because of dragon quest 8 on how powerful that game is it really showed how big square enix was with their role-playing games there's just something about dragon quest 8 that just brought people you know to that game and i think it was the main to me personally for playstation 2 with dragon quest 8 was the music the voice acting the comedy bits like it felt very japanese with a British sense into it but that orchestra man you could. I poured in a month and a half into that game, uh, playing it every day before I beat it. Just grinding for everybody, getting certain weapons up to like level ninety nine. Like I was doing them. You could say I was doing the most, but man, I was putting the work into that game, and really, still to this day, enjoy it um another one is armored core uh this is kind of to me personally my introduction to from software it's a third person uh shooter uh when the game came out the first one i know it was on playstation Two. um well and where well, the original version came out on playstation um but uh, you know armored core like for for the game for when it first came out, people were were very interested. But I think when PlayStation Two came out, there were just so many versions of that game. And the Armored Core series has only been on Sony's platforms. Um, it did go to Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty and mobile phones. Uh, around when the PlayStation Three came out. Uh, but like for this game, a a lot of people don't understand like. This was kind of like the money maker for From Software before uh, Demon Souls became that for them, um, and you know how people ended up finding about uh, From Software and everything. I think people who look at Armored core is very a niche kind of gunner style game too many and you also have retro on which was like a robotic game uh mixed game from sega that kind of had uh its fan fan base too um, but it just didn't do well enough. So now if you kind of look at it with Damon X Machina, it has some people who actually made the Armored Core series and who made Mecha games. And like just all of these people and the, one of the guys from the Fire Emblem teams all coming together to make another mech game that kind of missed and uh, I really, like I said, I can't wait to play Damien X. Magna. Can't just, ah, uh, yes. Can't wait to get that game. Uh, but Armored Core was kind of one of the games from, from Software that I feel like a lot of people didn't notice, but it, yet it was a niche game. And I think it didn't take to like I said, demon souls from people to really recognize from software. Um, hopefully people do go back and check out some of from software's earlier work because they have been around. But Armor Core was kind of like their leading thing, um, and kind of was keeping them afloat in that business. I think it did very well in Japan than it did here in America. Um, another one is Dynasty Warriors. Now, the reason why I I brought in Dynasty Warriors uh because these warrior games uh it, once again was uh another one of those titles that um it was a uh, it was kind of like an open world beat em up game and uh it was kind of ridiculous but it had that, you know, Japanese feel to it. Uh, with samurais and stuff, and uh, you know, it being a pure hack and slash and stuff, you just run around and beat stuff, beat, beat people up. It was very niche uh, for a while, and even with the Gundam uh, Warriors and just all of these other games, uh, taking a Warriors name, Dynasty Warriors kind of started it all and everything. But it didn't take to um, Hyrule Warriors to really get them uh the recognition that they kind of deserve around the world and you know now if you look at it because of hyrule warriors the dynasty warrior brand is bigger and more powerful than ever in a sense now of course some of the uh latest dynasty warrior games are not that good in a sense sorry about that everybody but you know it did do enough for people to recognize it for what it is and really love it and dynasty warriors are on playstation too, kind of just like what's what's the beta what's the beginning of something bigger that people didn't recognize or even expect it to be that big um, uh, Devil May Cry Two. Now, the reason why I brought Devil May Cry Two and uh, I mentioned, you know, how Devil May Cry was the influ- influential one. Um, but Devil May Cry Two just got lauded as be- it being too easy and boring that people hated this game. Like they, for some odd reason. People didn't like this game because it was too easy. It was a little bit over the top, but it didn't offer that challenge or it didn't have that same feel that Devil May Cry um, offered. And I think it was because of uh, people felt maybe have felt that Devil May Cry 1 was hard. Um, it didn't give a fair challenge um and so this one they reduce the difficulty so people could be able to get into the game and play and i can't say i don't think it's one of the worst i i don't have a problem with devil may cry 2 everybody's probably going to disagree with me on this but i think devil may cry 2 is way better than devil may cry 4 devil may cry 5 is up there it is really great um i D M C Devil May Cry, I think I I would still put as number one. But I will put Devil May Cry two over four. Um Devil May Cry four is just a boring bland mess. Like it it don't look good. It it really doesn't play well. The decisions they they, they decided to make uh with that game, like it it's just is unrefined, unbalanced and it's it's a dread to get through to play. Like, it is not fun to me. I think Devil May Cry 2 was a little bit better in that sense. Like, it, was, it wasn't, it wasn't, it's not the greatest, but I did enjoy the time that I have with it. You know, it was, It felt like a pop-in and play game. Just pop it in, play it for a few hours, you know, get your feel of it. Then you can take it out and still be able to work through it, like, within a weekend and finish the game without, you know, sweating anything um last but not least um as fatal frame um this is what a horror game uh by tech Kobe or techmo at that time um and you know you're capturing or you're fighting ghosts with a camera as crazy as as it seemed um the reason why i brought this up is that it started on kind of like super nintendo i think earlier um but it was kind of got recognized on playstation 2 and then nintendo ended up bringing some buying some stakes of of this game and now you know, you can't see it on PlayStation games, uh, PlayStation systems anymore because of Nintendo holding some stock in it, uh, some investment in it. But, like, Federal Frame was a big core game for people who wanted something new. And, at that time, you could only play it on PlayStation 2. So, when I come back, everybody, I'm gonna do uh, some quick plugs and then, uh, talk about a little bit about the project of the video Video Games Volume 5 and then, um... I will see you guys a little bit later uh, with the new season. Uh, so, with that, everybody, I will be right back. Damn. so everybody uh that was the season of optional opinion i want to thank all my guests that came on with me um you know, I produced a lot of episodes and everything. Um, you guys can find me on Twitter at that retro code. You can find Optional Opinion on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, uh, iHeart Radio, uh, TuneIn, and other podcast apps. Um, you can find me on X dot com. You can find me on World One One Podcast or at Poppy and on iTunes. Um, you can also find me just like everywhere on the internet, um, uh, doing some other people's podcasts like the Devin Cox, the Skyward cast, um, and just anywhere people, uh, can find me. Um, I am going to be doing some new plugs and a new season and everything. So I'll be getting some new information for plugs and everything. I just want to talk a little bit about the beauty of video games. Um, this year, volume five. Now, we all i've talked about you know a lot of great things that we normally celebrate about video games but i never give appreciation to villains so this year i am doing the video video games volume five feeling villainous where we are me and my guests will be talking about the great things about villains henchmen, enemies level design you know that tries to destroy us that's trying to take us down we're gonna have so many discussions and there's gonna as usual be uh three weeks of uh blog blogs that you guys will be able to read um we i will have an epilogue as usual be a special guest um It's going to be a fun time. This is all going to be in September. So you guys will be able to check that out for three weeks. Like I, I enjoy doing this project and I love people who contribute and tell me stuff and educate me. Like it's going to be a great thing. So, um, that is coming next month in September. Hopefully you guys will check it out that you will enjoy it. Um, like, I love villains. And I just don't, I think we don't appreciate them well enough. And I think this year, we're going to do that. Um. So, well, before I go, everybody, like I said, once again, thank you for uh, checking out Option Opinion. For those who coming on, uh, if this is your first time. Hopefully, you guys go back and check out some past episodes and everything in past seasons. Um. Just want to give uh, out the music list. Uh, Re plus Nighttime was my intro for the season. Uh, Bloody War Four OST Prison Tower uh by Harmony Sword, Soul Calibre 2 OST, Confrontation by Epic Stuff For You. Whip Soundtrack Hospital Slash Medical Mix Ring of Genesis. Uh Fire Fantasy Twelve Erupt Village Trap Remix by J Maz, J A Y H M E Z. Wild Arms Three, Defeated When You're Defeated When You're Sad Inspired by L Rowe. L. Rello uh, at Styles T Diverse M, Styles T10. And this last one is a free J. Cole, J. Cole type beat called Morning Sun by yando so everybody i will see you later on a new episode new series uh for a new season i should say for optional opinion and uh i will be having a new intro so you guys will be able to hear that but once again everybody have a great week have a great weekend and i will see you next time on optional opinion peace